Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Henderson MB Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. City of Henderson has, I think it's three tornado sirens. Uh, we actually tested them just this last Wednesday. Um, I use the term we very usefully. Uh, so I, I'm on the fire department, and they'll typically, you know, send us out a text saying, hey, we're going to test the, the tornado sirens, you know, on, on such and such a day. And then there's, and then typically someone is sort of close by each one, and then we just, you know, there's one right here by the church. And so uh, on Wednesday, I just stick my head out the back door, and I text in, yep, it's it's making a lot of noise. It works over here. And so, and then this just kind of happens all over the, the county. This is a thing we do. And, uh, you know, York uh, can turn on our tornado sirens. Uh, we can turn them on locally, that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, and it's, so it's the responsibility uh, of city officials to sound those sirens in case of a tornado. And this is a really great idea. I'm really gra- glad that we have these sirens. This is really smart. Whoever first came up with this, uh, this was a really, really good idea. Imagine the outcry, though, if for some reason a tornado was coming and city officials failed to sound that siren. I mean, if it would be an accident, that would be one thing. Um, but if it was intentional, you know, if, if they had their little weather radar and they go, yep, tornado's coming, but nah, we'll just pass on the sirens. That just sounds very inconvenient to people. I mean, there would be, oh, I mean, there would be outcry. There would be anger. There would be outrage. Uh, there would be demands for, ju- I don't know, maybe there's prison time for that kind of thing. I'm not sure. Or flip it around. I mean, what happens if, if all the tornado sirens are broken, but we know about it? Well, I mean, we're running door to door. We're yelling at people. We're making a commotion. You know, mom's in the park and, you know, dad's in the garage. And we're just honking and yelling at everyone. Like, they would be so grateful afterwards. So grateful that, that we had given them some kind of warning that, that this was coming. So, so help me understand something. What is it exactly that you plan to tell God when he says, why didn't you tell anyone I was coming? Like, what exactly is going to be your kind of legal defense in the courtroom when the question is posed, you knew I was coming, you knew this was going to happen, and you didn't really say anything? Like, how exactly do you intend to justify your actions or lack of actions in in that setting? And, like, look, like, I don't enjoy this question, people, okay? Like, um, just, I, I don't. It, it's, it's a hard question. It's an awkward question. Um, but, but to be honest to the text, it, it's one we have to consider. See, see, here's the deal. You and I, in many ways, kind of have a problem, we, and, and we actually have a pretty big problem, um, and that is simply that I would, I would say that we are living in days similar to Noah. And I didn't make that up. That's just 
we're going to look at that today um, out of Scripture, that we are living in days similar to what Noah lived in. Uh, a little bit of background. So we're working on a sermon series where we're working through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Uh, Genesis has 49, 50 chapters. But there's kind of this natural break in the storyline that happens between uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12. And that once we hit chapter 12, then it really starts to focus in on Abraham, Isaac, uh, the people of Israel, that kind of thing. But chapters 1 to 11 really speak to all of humanity. And so it's just, it's a great, great section of Scripture to understand because it really helps us understand it helps us understand the rest of scripture uh, it helps us understand our world today i mean just a lot of our pain and hurt and suffering and sin can be traced back to to really kind of what was instigated and began in, in those first um few years and so that's what we've been been looking at and we're just kind of working through it story by story and today happens to be noah so we're we're talking about noah uh, a little bit of background on Noah. Um, the, I, I learned lots of stuff this week. This was very fascinating. Uh, Noah was the 10th generation from Adam. Uh, he was a descendant of, of Seth. That was one of the kids of Adam and Eve. His name means rest. I didn't know that. Do you know that? His name means rest. Uh, Genesis 5:28. when Lamech had lived 182 years, because they lived a long time back then, uh, he, uh, he fathered a son, called him Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. And so Lamech, his father, is hoping that Noah is going to be the one to, to bring some kind of relief from, from the curse of the ground, that he's in some capacity going to be the saving one or, or the Messiah or the one to save us from the curse. And he sort of is. I'll explain that in a minute. Um, based on uh, what the Bible tells us about how long people live, like when kids were born, that kind of thing. I don't know how legible that is from the back row, but I'm a visual learner, so I find this kind of stuff helpful. Um, if, you count, if you count the years and, and you say that, okay, the year that Adam was made is year one, and, and then you do math, what you will find is that Noah was born in the year 1056. That's a long time. I had no idea. I mean, he's only 10th generation, but he's born in the year 1056. Um, he started building the ark in 1536. So 1500 years after Adam was created, he starts building. Um, he was 480 years old. So that's a lot of ibuprofen, you know, but um, for 120 years, he builds the ark. That's also a long time. On his 600th birthday in the year 1656, uh, the floodwaters come, uh, lasts about a year. In 1657, um, when Noah turned 601, they're back on the ground. Uh, the Bible actually gives some stuff around the flood. You know, it'll say, well, in the, in the first month, in the second month, and the third month, you know, these, these things happened. That doesn't directly correlate to our January, February, just because they had a different calendar system. But I, I did use January, February just to help, help us understand a timeline a little bit. So um, February 10, they start loading the ark. February 17, a week later, the rains come. And that's probably okay because it probably took a lot of time to get all the animals in and situated and not eating each other and compartmentalized and that kind of thing. February 17, the rain comes. On March 26, they get 40 days of rain. March 26, the rain stopped. So that's March. 
all the way over then to October, they can start to see the tops of mountains. So the waters are receding. November 11, they send out a raven. Uh, November 25, he sends out the dove. Then in January 1 uh, of the next year, all the waters are dried up. But it's not until February 27 when they all leave the ark. And I thought, well, like the waters are gone. Why did you hang out in the ark for another two months? And I was like, oh, well, there's probably no vegetation. Like they, they probably just, you know, use it as shelter or base camp or a tent or whatnot till you know, things could start to grow. And then you release all the sheep and cows and critters and whatever else you brought with you. Um, for a long time, uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern uh, uh, records all the way up to the 19th century, um, it was a, a practice of sailors to use birds. Um, the ravens will fly directly to land. And so when you can't see land, you send out the raven and it flies directly to land and then you know what direction land is. Um, doves have a very short um, flight radius, so they will tell you how close you are to land. Because if, if the dove comes back, you know that it, you're a little ways from land yet. So that whole raven-dove thing, like humanity's been doing that up until the 19th century, or sailors have been doing that up until the, the 19th century. Um, also, Noah gets mentioned uh, in eight other books of the Bible, including the Koran. The days of Noah were, were pretty dark. Uh, Genesis reads like this, describing just the, the days of Noah. Uh, Genesis 6, starting in verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And, and this is a very strong sentence. That every intention of the thoughts of the hearts was only evil continually. Uh, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of, of the land and animals. I'm sorry that I've made them, but Noah found favor. Uh, then um, verse 11, uh, the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way in the earth. God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end to all flesh. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them on the earth. And so scripture, I mean, there, there's some big phrases in there. Uh, the wickedness of man was great. Uh, every intention of the thoughts was only evil continually. It's filled with violence. Uh, the whole place is corrupt and there are no godly people left. And as near as I can tell, things got so bad that God realized or, or kind of had to make the decision that the, that the best thing to do was simply to start over with the only godly people that he can find in all the earth. And so he, in some ways, almost kind of hit, hits the reset button. And so he floods the earth. He executes his fair and just judgment uh, and starts over. The scripture goes on to pull comparisons with what we see today, what we will see in the future with what was happening uh, in Noah's day. Um, for starters, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.1, uh, uh, it reads like this, But I understand this, that in the last days... There will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I love it. That's right in the middle of all these horrible sins. Right in the middle is they will not obey mom and dad. 
disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, uh, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So that's our future. Sounds a lot like what Noah's environment was. Jesus says that um, the people of Noah had no idea what was about to happen and that the same thing will happen in the future. Uh, In both Matthew and Luke, he's recorded saying this in Matthew. uh, Jesus says, for as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood water came and swept them all away, so will it be the coming, the Son of Man. The, the days of Noah, people are just totally depraved. They're completely godless. Uh, and yet they're just not even concerned about it one bit. They're just going on with their, their daily lives. No thought of God, uh, no thought of the judgment of God. The third parallel uh, between Noah and, and us is just this idea that, that judgment is coming. And it's not a fun thing to talk about. It's not a popular thing to talk about. I'd rather talk about other fun things. Um, but to be honest to the text, we do need to mention it. Second Peter 3.6, we read this. The world then that existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word... Heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The heavens will be set on fire, dissolved, the heavenly bodies will melt, but according to the promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness will dwell. There some kind of fierce, awful judgment is coming. I think it's going to be worse than, than what we imagined. Um, I think that if we had a glimpse of it, we would live our lives co- completely different. Um, and I think we need to honestly ask ourselves, if we really love people, are, are we giving adequate warning and are we engaging in this conversation? It was awkward. I was working on this sermon on an airplane, sitting next to a bunch of people going... Uh, do I just stand up and start to yell? Do I like, I mean, obviously there's some tact and, and some strategy and, and some wisdom in, in, in how to go about this. Um, yeah, that was awkward just sitting there typing away at this. The reasons that we're living in the days of Noah, humanity loves sin and, and that's just going to continue to grow. Judgment is coming. It, it's going to be fierce. It's going to complete um, that judgment is going to take people by surprise um, because they just they, they, they don't love the Lord. Let's shift gears here a little bit to something uh, more happy. Um, chiastic parallelism. Good discussion topic, right? I mean, who hasn't just had the best discussion around chiastic parallelism? Um, grammar, structure type things. I mean, you know... Conversation lags a little bit and someone fires up chiastic parallelism and things just take off. I didn't know what it was really until this week. 
Um, the story of Noah is written as a chiastic parallel, and uh, you can kind of see an example uh, up there. And here's what it means, is that if you take the first theme or idea that gets mentioned in a story, it's also the last theme or idea mentioned in a story. And then it, it, it continues to work inwards. And so your second theme or idea that is mentioned in, in the story is also your second to last theme or idea that is mentioned in the story. And you can have short ones that are just like an A, B, B, A format, or you can have long ones that go up to G, H, I, L, M, N, O, P. I don't know, but you know, you can have lots of levels in this. Um, a common phrase that we will say that is a chiastic parallel is that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Did you catch that? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's a chiastic parallel. Uh, Jesus used one. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay. So sometimes what will happen, though, is that they will use this intentionally because they also want to, amongst other things, highlight a particular part of the story. And so what will happen is that the chiastic parallel will build to a central idea, and then it will kind of work away from that, that central idea. And in fact, I, I'd have to confirm this, but I think actually the, the gospel book of John has more, um, is, pro- is built more like this, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all chronological. John is not. John's just doing his own thing. It's topical, and I, I should confirm this, but I, I do think it's, it has a lot of this going on. So, what's the central idea in the story of Noah? Because the story of Noah has this, and it does build to a very particular sentence or, or you know, comment then where things change and they shift and they start to go the other direction. The center point of the chiastic parallelism found in the story of Noah is Genesis 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah. Before that, you see things getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then you have this line, but God remembered Noah. And then everything shifts and things start to get better and better and better. And it's kind of, you know, God, like, it's, God did not forget like you and I forget, right? You know, it's not like God was like, oh, would you look, I'm, oh, I was in the middle of destroying the earth and just, you know, got sucked into my, you know, Nick at Night reruns and just lost track of time. God doesn't forget like we forget. What, what he's saying is just how things have shifted now for Noah. The story of Noah, God enters the ark, or they, they enter the ark. It rains, 40 days of flood, waters increase, mountains are covered, 150 days the waters prevail. God remembers Noah. And then the chiasm continues, but now it goes in the other direction. 150 days, the waters recede, mountains become visible, 40 days gets mentioned again, the ark is opened through a window, and they begin this process of landing the boat and starting life anew. So let me ask you this. Do you ever feel forgotten? Do you ever feel abandoned? Sidelined? Because God remembers you. And he knows, and as he has not forgotten. Ironically, the reason that you may be in a confined space puking your guts out because you've been seasick for 150 days 
because I get seasick, so that's what I would do on the ark. But God remembers. Storms and floods are pretty miserable things, but you know what? It sure beats swimming. It may be that your misery saves you. And in fact, it actually may be that your misery saves others. And you need to remember that even when the storm is darkest, God remembers you. Noah models a couple of good things for us that, that it's good to take note of. Hebrews eleven seventeen, Noah gets mentioned. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. It comes by faith. So because of just his communion, his love of God, his relationship with God, um, he obeyed in, in, in things that, that made no sense. It, I mean, what evidence did Noah have to build an ark when it was events as yet unseen? Now, I don't know if that's rain itself. I don't know if that's a worldwide flood. But whatever it was, in the natural, Noah had no proof or evidence that what was about to happen would happen because it never happened before it was as as events as yet unseen in the natural noah had no evidence that he should do this no justification no proof no good reason but he trusted god he trusted god's character and so that was his proof that he should do this thing When God tells you and I that we will stand before him and give an account for our life, that's an event yet unseen. When God tells us that every person you have ever met will live forever, it's just whether or not they live with God or apart from God, that is an event yet unseen. When God tells us that there's a spiritual realm, that is an event yet unseen. When God calls us to be faithful in something, when it appears that there is no fruit year after year, century after century, all right, that is an event yet unseen. We have never seen these things with our physical eyes. And so the question is, though, do you trust the character of God that what he says is true and that what's going to happen is going to happen and that his definition of reality is the true definition of reality and that what we see is actually only kind of a shadow lands of what true reality really is? Noah trusted God's character, and so he had faith to prepare for things yet unseen. Uh, the other thing that, that I found fascinating, New Testament describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Uh, it says that for the 120 years that he was building the ark, he, wa he was preaching to others ab about kind of the, the, the upcoming floods, about the upcoming judgment. Book of Jude tells us, put that timeline back up, would you? Book of Jude tells us that Enoch, that God had told Enoch that judgment was coming. Okay? So look at a little bit of genealogy with me. So Enoch is, uh, so you've got uh, Noah, then his dad is Lamech, then his dad is Methuselah, and then his dad is Enoch. Enoch lives a short life because he gets raptured, and that's an, another sermon because who knows what's going on there. Anyways, so God tells Enoch that judgment is coming. 
Um, Methuselah lives for like a thousand years. He dies the year the flood comes. I didn't know that. You know that? Methuselah died the year the flood came. Um, Noah also preached righteousness. He preached it. All, all that to say, we know that Enoch preached that judgment was coming. We know that Moses preached that judgment was coming. I think it's safe to assume that probably Methuselah and Lamech knew about it as well too. Meaning the people of that day had at least a thousand year warning that this was coming. A thousand year warning that this was coming. And not only that, but you have this remarkable heritage of Noah and his father and his great grandfather and his great great grandfather who for a millennium have all preached the word of God and the judgment was coming. That is a remarkable heritage. And a remarkable uh, reflection on God's grace to say, all right, I'm going to give you a thousand-year warning that, that this is going to happen. The final aspect in all of this, you can take that down, thanks. And, and this, this really is the, the most important part. But in both cases, God provides a rescue. But only one. In the days of Noah, it was the ark. And for us, it's Jesus Christ. The parallels between Jesus Christ and what he has done and is doing and will do for us to the ark are remarkable. It was like that whole ark thing was just an illustration for what is coming and how God can rescue, will rescue, would love to rescue. One author uh, wrote this. He is a God who provided a way of escape from his judgment. He did this for Noah by the way of the ark. Today, however, Jesus Christ is God's way of escape from his judgment. He is the ark of our salvation, the door by which mankind must enter to be saved. And only and the only one who can give us rest, remember Noah's name means rest, rest in a cursed world. The flood is a horrifying account of judgment, but also one of glorifying redemption. Our lives will be, be characterized by either one of these. Either we trust in Jesus and be redeemed, or we face the judgment of God for our sins. The awkward part of the story is that God destroyed the world once by water and that he will do it again by fire. That's just awkward to tell people. But the remarkable redemption in all of this is the rescue and that God provides the rescue, that he provided the ark and that he provides Jesus Christ. And you do not fully grasp the wonder and the beauty and the, and the joy and the celebration and, and, and just an attitude of gratitude for the ark and for Jesus until you understand the, fl the, the flood and the fire. You have to understand what awaits us naturally to really understand and be grateful for the rescue that, that is allowed and, and is provided for us. Our ark is Jesus Christ. The thing that will save us is Jesus Christ. He is our, our boat, our rescue vessel. 
The world is full of sin and violence. We are called to preach the gospel just like Noah did, and ultimately God will save those who say yes to him. So folks, we live in the days of Noah. I mean, his story is our story. Scripture makes that comparison multiple times. Um, The salvation of Noah to our situation, the spiritual trajectory of this world is probably just going to get worse and worse. But we remain faithful. And just like Noah and his dad and his granddad and his great-granddad, we proclaim, we proclaim, we proclaim, we proclaim. Even if we have to do it a thousand years and it feels like we get nowhere, we proclaim and we proclaim and we proclaim. The destruction is coming, but God has a plan to save. Noah's story is your story and it's my story. So may we be found faithful just like Noah was. Let's pray. Then we will sing. Um, then after that, you guys are dismissed. You guys can go ahead and, and head on down. Um, if some of you are helping and you need to sneak out during the prayer or, or during the final song, uh, that's fine. And um, this prayer will kind of count as prayer for the meal. So you can just head on down and, and start filing through. So uh, thanks for being a part of that and, and sticking around for that fundraiser. And I know many of you are helping in a variety of ways. Thank you. And if you don't have something to do, then just play host to everyone else who's hopefully showing up in half an hour. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, you know, at first glance, the, this Noah story is kind of fun and it's cute and, and it's a great kid's story, Lord. But when we really dive into it, um, it's actually a really hard story. It's actually a very hard story. And it's not an unfair story. I mean, it's not like anybody got what they didn't deserve other than that you offer to rescue us and that's not what we deserve but lord thank you for this story and and thank you for it just how it models our day our 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 era lord some people here today they just need to be reminded that god remembered noah they just need to be reminded that you remember them that you see them and that even though things are are hard and and it's difficult and it feels like it's been raining for half a year, you remember them, that you love them. And Lord, I I pray over them that things in their life would begin to turn, start to turn for the better. Lord, for some of us here, we really need to wrestle with this question to say, all right, if I love people, am I letting them know? Am I sounding the warning? through tact and love obviously but but am i sounding the warning and lord some of us perhaps just need to be encouraged by the the role model of noah just in the faithfulness the heritage of generations to proclaim and the faithfulness to trust not with the natural physical eyes but to trust your character and so when you call us into something that that we would say well that's yet unseen We trust you, because for you it is seen. And we trust that that you you have that perspective. You see everything. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.